Thank you so much for um, letting me speak. To give you some context, uh, at youth group, I'm involved in the youth group, we planned a topical based, last week, based upon a question that came in the question box. The question was about what does it mean when you have doubts? What does it mean when you feel far from God? So we did the topical on the, the topic of doubt, and in, in preparing for that, it made me think about different parts of the Bible that deal with that idea of feeling distant from God. Um, so before we go any further, let's pray and, and commit as we look at his word. Father God, thank you so much uh, for what has been sung, for what has been shared so far this evening. Thank you that you will be praised forever for what you've done in Jesus. And as we look at your word tonight, give us wisdom, give us attention to see. Um, yeah, may you be glorified. Pray this in your name, amen. It's unusual to start um, what should be a poem or a song in a book of praises with the words, God, why have you abandoned me? This comes right before another psalm that we all know is more popular, Psalm 23, the Lord's my shepherd, through the, the darkness, through the valley of death, he's with me. Psalm 22, the poor cousin, no, he starts differently. But it's just as important for us to hear. So you've heard this analogy before, but you've heard the idea of life as a marathon. It's got the easy bits, it's got the hard bits, but without knowing the route, without planning for a long distance, you'll break, you won't make it. And part of being on that marathon in life is having people with you, having people close to you, people you can rely on, people you can trust, people who care about you. And doesn't it hurt when those people who you thought you know, were by your side suddenly aren't there for you? And where is God in this marathon? See, is, he, is he near? Is he with you running alongside or is he far? See, some people, when they think about God, they think God is really, really far away, thousands of light years away, and he's not really paying much attention to the things that we're doing here on earth. And other people, when they think of God, they think, oh no, God's really far because here's something that I'll have to think about in 20 years, 30 years, 50 years. Or other people feel that God is far because he's not answering their prayers in the way that he expects or they expect. But maybe God is, is here or God is here, he's present and alive. Now, as it's already been mentioned, this is a hard psalm. It's not particularly happy because the person who wrote it, someone who seemed to have trusted God with their whole life, for whatever reason, they're crying out, God, where are you? Why is this happening to me? And that's a question that is very relevant to us. I'm not sure if you've asked that question yourself. But really, when they're asking that, they're asking, why are bad things happening and the question behind that question is, what, why is there suffering? Why is there injustice? Injustice and suffering are one of the few experiences that are going to happen to all of us. Or anyone that lives, anyone that's born, it's going to happen. And it means that you have to have a way of getting your head around it. 
Um, now, there's lots of different kinds. Um, there's, there's from the suffering or the discomforts where, ooh, that's, that's difficult, but it's okay, it's not too bad, we can manage that, to things that are overwhelming, that shock us. But if we really do believe in a good, a perfect, a good and gracious king, why is there injustice and suffering? A mean boss, a toxic work culture, unrealistic or overwhelming workloads and expectations, a strained relationship, an unhappy marriage, a sudden illness, or a long decline, unfulfilled dreams, living without hope. Not to mention what happens if you are part of a faith community and that disappoints when church life falls apart. As we go through this psalm, I think that we will find that when we cry out, where are you, God? God says, I'm here, and I haven't abandoned you. And when we think about how, there's two ideas that we're going to meditate on. The first is that God, in his word, tells us the Bible understands suffering. And the second idea is that Christ's suffering, that gives us hope. So let's think about the first idea. And to do this, we have to put our eyes in the mind of the author who wrote this psalm. And let's look at verse 1 and 2. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, and I find no rest. Have you ever felt like that? That there's no point to praying because no one's listening. And look, it says, my God. This author, he's calling God his. It's a personal cry, not to a distant God. But the psalmist wrestles with this reality, with the reality of his situation, the real world that seems so terrible, and what he believes, what he knows to be true about God's character. Let's look at verse 3. Yet, yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted in you, delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. And in you they trusted and were not put to shame. He's saying, God, you are pure, you are holy. You've saved other people. The nation of Israel, you've saved them. They've got a long history of God coming through again and again after they cry for help. But where are you now? But it's bad enough that things are difficult, but doesn't it hurt more? Isn't it just like a twisting pain in your side when on top of that, insults come, mocking and ridicule? Let's keep reading. Verse 6. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. 
Psalmist is saying, God, I feel humiliated by everyone. Yet, let's look at verse 9. You brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth, I was cast on you. From my mother's womb, you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. See, the psalmist in his own way is really fighting this idea, this this struggle. God, I've been yours since before I can remember, and this isn't fair. It's an intensely personal cry for help, but is anyone listening? Let's look at the further verses to get an idea of, of what is troubling this psalmist so much. Verse 12, many bulls surround me. Strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions that tear their prey open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted within me. It's really intense imagery. There's metaphors everywhere. Strong enemies, powerful, threatening lions. It's terrifying. And the psalmist, well, his heart is melting and he's broken. Have you ever felt like that, that life is just completely coming apart? I find it, see, while helpful, difficult. Um, as, As I read the Bible, I like the idea of a God who is strong and powerful he comes through and he saves the day. But, but there are many times in the Bible recorded for everyone to see of where bad things and injustice happen to good people or happen disproportionately. Think of, think of Joseph, a boy, a teenager who was sold into slavery and then gets wrongfully accused in slavery of a crime and spends decades in jail. Or think of Abraham and his wife Sarah, who prayed to God and and trusted God, but spent many years waiting to start the family that they wanted to for so long. Was God hearing them? Or David, the potential writer of this psalm, the probable writer, who was anointed king of Israel, but spent decades fleeing from a crazed tyrant, running away from even his son who wanted to take his kingdom. See, what Psalm 22 tells us is that the Bible gets it. It doesn't pretend like bad things don't happen. It's very open about the reality, the complexity of it all. But the writer doesn't stop there. Let's look at verse 19. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. Now, verse 21 is an interesting one because it can be translated a little bit differently, mostly with the tense of some of the verbs. So it can, it can say, from the horns of the wild oxen, you answer me, present tense, or you have rescued me, Lord, or you have answered me. Whatever, whatever way you look at it, from this point on in the psalm, the mood completely changes. 
So we have to ask, well, why the mood change? Is it that the writer just had some kind of last-minute epiphany, a sudden feeling of peace? Is it that the writer just put down his pen and then came back to writing a couple of months later, maybe years later, and everything was better, and so he could write about that? Was there some last-minute deliverance that the writer's talking about? We don't know. But whatever reason for the abrupt change, we can see that it, it wasn't the writer who did it. No, it was God who answered in his timing. And so the psalm teaches us to accept that God does act in our suffering. And that's great. God cares. Your suffering isn't meaningless. And if this is true, it should change our outlook. See, look at how the psalmist responds in praise to God. Let's look at verse 22. I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. See, the psalmist just wants to tell others how amazing God is. Why? 24. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. See, when difficulties, when bad things happen, God doesn't hate you. You're not despised. Those apparent silences, they're not God ignoring you. He hears you. Let's keep reading. Verse 26. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive, posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn that he has done it. What does all that mean? It means wickedness, suffering, feelings of abandonment may exist now, but there will be a time when they will be fixed. <laughs> we weren't born when this psalm was written, but our generation will know the same God and how amazing he is. We'll know that God's promises are as good as done. And if we can, if we can get our heads around this, then we can have strength to endure tough times or the wisdom to encourage others who are going through difficulty. See, if you know God is in control and you can trust him that things are happening for a reason, then you have a means to get through them. And, and that's why it's so important to remind ourselves of this truth. See, it's why we need people around us to tell us things that we don't hear or to show us things that are difficult to see. That's why things like memorizing scripture, as hard as it is, it's helpful. Or knowing songs, like I've been encouraged by the songs that we've been singing tonight, 
but knowing songs that tell us about his goodness and God's faithfulness, and they sit inside here when we can't see that for ourselves. It's why it's important to meet together, to meet honestly, to share struggles with each other and pray. What a blessing. All too often, we do the opposite, don't we? We want to we withdraw. Uh, we want to find other things to do. It's a danger. It's a, it's a missed blessing. We need to be reminded that God's character is not someone who disappears or ignores. No, he's the God who cares. But to be frank, now we're thinking about our second point, we do need to be clear about how this actually applies to us because if it's just read in that way, it's good wisdom, it might be helpful, but if that's all we have, we don't actually have enough to say that God will listen to us, that God will treat us the same way. But we have great news that he does, and it's because of Jesus. Now, um, we've been singing about this a lot tonight, so this part will sound familiar. But it's important to remember that as Jesus was dying, and as the minutes, the moments of his life was dripping away, he quoted this psalm. It's very intentional. And more than that, we can see that in Jesus' death, a lot of the things mentioned in the psalm happened to Jesus. It's, it's prophetic. I'm, I'm going to just read, um, I don't expect you to flip there fast enough, but from Matthew chapter 25, I'm just going to read a little bit from verse 45. Okay, so Jesus on the cross, from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the land About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried in a loud voice. He cried in Aramaic these words, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Jesus isn't saying this as a lapse in faith. He's not saying that he's doubting God. No, the psalm is being quoted on purpose. And I think it's more a cry of disorientation because Jesus, being God and existing before time, was in a perfect and happy relationship with God the Father. And God the Father, who was there at Jesus' baptism, and who said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Well, as Jesus is dying, there's silence. And there's, there's more than just Jesus quoting. Think about how Jesus was mocked how they said, you who destroy the temple and are going to build it in three days, save yourself. Or how they pierced his hands. Or how they gambled over his clothing. All things mentioned in this psalm. What does it have to do with us? In Jesus' final moments, he's quoting this psalm as if to say, I am doing this for you. See, despite um, what we like to think of ourselves, we need to be honest enough to think that we're not perfect and that our sins are serious. Serious enough for Jesus, who knew no sin, to become sin for us. And How amazing is that? That punishment, the suffering that we deserved, Jesus 
chose to be distant from God so that we wouldn't have to be. And that is huge for two reasons. First, it's huge because Jesus himself can sympathize with our suffering. He knows what it's like to have uncertainty. He knows what it's like to have physical and emotional pain. He knows what it's like to be ridiculed. And he knows what it's like to face death. Death, that one-way ticket, the final full stop. We fear it. We ignore it. But if, if we can understand death, death in the context of life, then we have something good to hold on to in troubled times. It's like knowing the end of, of a bad horror film. I don't know why you'd want to see a horror film, but if you did, the end gives you strength to get there. See, Jesus didn't stay dead. God raised him back to life. And he promised that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. It means that believing in Jesus gives you confidence that God hears your prayers. Because he heard Jesus' prayers, it means that death or suffering, though horrible, is not the end. That an unfulfilling relationship is not the end. That a terrible job is not the end. That an ongoing sickness is not the end. You can be confident that God isn't distant but that he's near. And what happens when God is near? Well, look at Jesus' life. Jesus on earth, God with us, healed the sick. With Jesus, there was joy, there was reconciliation. The suffering were welcomed, loved, and made whole. What an amazing thing to be a part of. So what? So what? Well, if this news seems a small consolation prize, maybe that's more an indication of how distracted we are about the things around us. See, we've got to remember that life, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And so it's, you don't want to get lost or distracted along the way. That would be dangerous let alone missing out. So here's a short Julian story. Um, as many of you know, I do music stuff, and one night a couple of years ago, I had a rehearsal in the city. It finished late, maybe 10 p.m., and I didn't have dinner. I hadn't had dinner yet, so I was really hungry. Now, and I'm asking you, if you're in the city, it's 10 p.m., and you're hungry, what are some good options to get a feed? What, what are some good options? Macca's, Macca's where from the city? George Street. Okay, that's a good, good choice. Where's somewhere else? If you're heading back, you've got to head to Pennant Hills. Where's somewhere else you've got to head? Hungry so Hungry Jacks. There's Wynyard Station. Yep, all good options. Um, so I decided I was going to drive. So I didn't catch the train. I was driving. Um, those are all good options. Instead of doing all those things, I was like, I'm going to make it home. I'm going to go for the marathon, maybe, maybe eat something on the way. I didn't make it. Ten minutes into the drive, maybe, maybe less, maybe seven minutes, I pulled over into a petrol station. It's already a bad idea. And I bought a microwavable hamburger. Now, 
I'm, I, I know I exaggerate a lot of different times, but this is really serious. This was the worst thing I've ever eaten. And I'll tell you why. The microwave managed to like burn sides of it and then keep other bits like really cold. The cheese, <laughs> the, the lettuce tasted like glad wrap. It wasn't tasty, it was old. Why didn't I just wait? Why didn't I go the distance? Why didn't I wait for Eastwood? Why didn't I wait for Chatswood? Or a good meal at home from mum and dad? I wasn't married yet. See, what Psalm 22 is telling us is don't be nearsighted. Don't get stuck in that rut. It's not, it's not dismissing it and saying it's not worth anything. It's, it's saying that trusting in Jesus is making life worth it. It doesn't pretend like bad things don't happen. It's saying that God may seem far away now and life a long struggle, but through Jesus, God has not abandoned us. He gives us strength to run the marathon and a great end. That's amazing. So to that, um, I'd like to just pray to finish. Join with me, please. Father God, thank you for your word. It's tricky. Sometimes it's not what we want to hear. Um, And sometimes it's things that we've heard before. Lord, please strengthen us. Encourage us to be a blessing to others in suffering and to turn to you as the author and finisher of our faith. We pray this in your name. Amen.